What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Regals Watches Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined today by Cody from the Anti-Watch Watch Club. How's it going today, man? It's going great. How about yourself, Eric? Doing just dandy. It is fantastic to chat with you, man. I know we've sort of been uh, talking for the last little bit here and uh, kind of developing a bit of a relationship between the podcast and the AWWC a little bit and just you know getting to know each other been a lot of fun and i'm really glad that we're we're here to chat today and uh you know kind of go over all the neat things that i think you have to share and the insights you have to share with the audience today man yeah it's been very fortunate that i've been able to really talk to you just from listening as a listener point of view you know all of the podcasts you have had in the past the amount of people especially the amazing people um, that you've had. It's just like, it's an honor. So thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast because, you know, you've had Wes from Notice, you've had Wildlander 6, you know, you've had Jeff, um, and now I'm in that category. So uh, it's an honor and I'm, I'm excited. So thank you very much. Well, the pleasure's all mine. I just like to talk to cool dudes doing cool things. So I think it's really, really, uh, we're going to have lots of that to get into. Before we do today, uh, what's on the wrist, though? Because you have sort of an interesting piece that I've kind of seen glimpses of here and there, and I kind of want to hear the story behind that. Yeah, so what's on the wrist today is, uh, there it is, uh, Mega Seamaster Professional Nectin Edition. Okay. Um, and it's on a rubber... Tech tough strap, uh, not the Omega rubber bracelet, not the stainless steel bracelet. Um, I've been really falling in love with this tech tough strap um, made by another company, but super comfortable and lightweight and just works for it. And that's why it's on the strap it is. Uh, I love this watch because I'm a huge uh, Omega fanboy. Mm. You can say it out loud. I'm proud of it. Um, People, some people like them, some people don't. Uh, but this actually came from another founder in uh, Anti-Watch Watch Club, uh, Zach. So um, I was able to get it from him. Um, and I wear it daily just because it means a lot to me. And I, I just love Seamasters because I know I can dress it up. I can dress it down. If I get caught in the rain, I, I don't have to worry about it. Or if I jump in the pool with my kids, like, not gonna be hurt by swimming all day and with the pool <laughs> so yeah that's why i love it um and it suits my needs perfectly uh it's, it's a really really cool piece you mentioned it being sort of a uh, unique special edition what is the significance of that special edition i know omega has has so many of them so it's hard to keep track of which ones are which yeah so the the nectin edition um not your average uh bezel. it's titanium ablated so it's not fancy. It's just really rad piece that goes into the face of the watch. Um, still has a classic Omega wave on it. On the back of it, it's got the uh, special case back. I'll take it off again so viewers can see. Let's see if I can get in this camera. There you nice. Go. Okay. So it's not a it's not an open case back. Not an open case back. Uh, got the engraving of the um submersible that they use so hmm. i like it i love it yeah it's a really really cool piece something you don't see every day and uh you know i think it's it's awesome it sort of has that more like utilitarian kind of flair to it that's 
I'm all about that with timepieces. So I think that's a, that's a really, really cool addition of the Seamaster that you have there. You know, go, going into kind of watches in a little bit more detail for you, you know, where did watches sort of begin for you? Like, what was it that got you into the timepieces? What got you into collecting watches? And, and where did that sort of all start for you? Uh, so going back, of course, as kids, uh, everyone, we all had little Timex marathon or Ironman as it was back in the day. Mm. Uh, and then when I major, I think I had a Timex Indiglo, the old mm -hmm. school, like push button where the whole face lit up Indiglo blue, which was pretty rad. Then that turned into, uh, getting a, my first stainless steel piece. It was a Kenneth Cole. <laughs> Watched way back in the 90s. I think it was 98 is when I got it. Um, joined the Army, of course, kind of right after September 11th, uh, like many others. Um, then I had to have that sun toe because that was the mm. ultimate. That was the ultimate tool watch back then. It was early, you know, 2003. I had a sun toe vector. Uh, to, when, so I racked with it on in 2003 to 04. So I just fell in love with sun toes because uh battery lasted a long time had time zones had bloom had everything um and it took the abuse of all the sandstorms they got to be a part of <laughs> right outside uh ramadi and out up north so um fell on some toes That's and wild. then went to the different side of the army and you know as my needs enhanced the photo I did for what I needed of a tool watch, you know, so did the watch. So I became a, a huge fan of uh, Sunto uh, X10 GPS mm. watch. Um, and of course the loom on that was red instead of like a blue or green because uh, it was the X10 mil edition. So GPS, once again, it was chargeable. So I could use a solar power bank to charge the watch. If mm. I was going to be on an extended period patrolling in Afghanistan or doing whatever it was we were doing. Uh, so my time ended in SAW, which was, you know, I spent 10 years in special operations and then go to Alaska, right? Teaching at the Army cold weather school and military mountaineering school. So now I'm in altitude. I have to worry about weather. So once again, I have new requirements. A watch has to have new requirements. So I picked up the Sunto Ambit 3 Peak because uh, it has an altimeter, barometer that actually works. Um, yeah. Compass, waypoints, you name it. Um, because we had to be able to track variances and pressure because that would allow us to predict, hey, we have a storm coming or we're, we're getting some weather coming in in the next 24 to 48 hours just on the parametric pressure alone and of course altitude help because you can land not by altitude um you just have to know uh, get your proper altitude because most altimeters uh used in mountaineering uh or at least the ones the army issues is kind of very slow it's not digital um mm. but of course keep it fitter so had the sunto ambit Three peak for a very long time. Um, got away from that, moved into a more leadership mid-level position where, okay, like now I have to have that Apple watch, the dreaded Apple watch that people love or hate, but kind of respect because it's, it's the ultimate tool watch. You mean, mm -hmm. you can 
time your mileage for runs, see what your splits are. You can swim laps with it, and they will tell you your swim laps. And if you're in a meeting or a briefing, and you know the wife, husband, son, daughter texting you, you can be like, "All right, I'll be home in an hour or whatever." Um, then that went away because uh, I came across Singer Instruments Instagram page, and I mm -hmm. saw the Para Overlord Edition where you had to be airborne qualified and send, you know, Singer Instruments your airborne certificate. Mm -hmm. And then that that immediately like head first down the rabbit hole, you know, black holes, all the tunnels. I just immediately fell in love with watches even more because I looked at it from a I looked at it as a different point of view versus hey, this is a watch, I need to have it. Um, I looked at it as hey, the para overlord was based off if a World War II paratrooper needed a watch back then what would it be what would it look like and that's what it's based off of i was mm -hmm. like okay i'm a paratrooper i get it i understand it this has immediate significance to me mm -hmm. and started researching more and more into singing instruments and yeah i think i've had almost yeah the only model i haven't owned by singing is the atlas so Sangin is sort of one of those interesting brands over there, right? Like it's, it's Jake is the owner, I believe. Yes. Now he's got, so for a while it was Jake and his wife, um, yeah. Paris. And then now he's got uh, some help, uh, especially in custom watch department. Mm -hmm. He's hired some help. He's got a watchmaker assisting him. So now they can kind of um, keep it very small, very hand oriented, but kind of upscale and push their timelines up a little bit, but not lose that quality assurance, that quality control that Sangin is known for and Jake is known for. Well, it's interesting too, is like his pieces are informed by experience, not just what they think it should look like. Like his, like he knows what these pieces need to do and what they need to function like from the perspective of the people that would actually be using them. And I would, I would venture to say that's probably what's made his brand so successful is he's making watches that he wished he'd had when he was inside, right? Yeah, so, you know, Jake, he's, he's a former Marine Raider, so for those mm. who don't know, it's Marine Special Operations Command. Raider comes from, you know, the World War II era of the Marine Corps. Um, now they, the Special Operations side of the Marine Corps, they're Marine Raiders. Mm. Um, so he has a lot of experience using timepieces in various environments where I needed this requirement or I needed that requirement and it is now singing instruments you know he he took his baby and ran with it and it's you know Jake is a truly awesome guy to talk to you uh his watches are phenomenal too because as you know or most people know like he only produces you know let's say a hundred uh professionals and once those are gone they're gone for a few months or until he's able to make more so it's a hot commodity because the watches are durable. They're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the, the customer service you get with thing and instruments cannot be beat. Mm -hmm. And so with regards to your own kind of story, like you said, you've collected just about or, or owned just about every single saying and instrument with the exception of, uh, you said, you said the Atlas. Yeah. The Atlas, which is their, another automatic. So they had the Atlas and the Sangin Neptune, which is hugely popular. Mm -hmm. Um, 
those were their two only automatic watches. And now there's a shift where he just released his Hydra, which mm-hmm. is an automatic with a Salida movement. Um, but yeah, like I really didn't fall in love with automatics at first because the course was like, okay, like I know this battery will last three, five, seven, you know, maybe 10 years, even in some models, especially if it's solar powered. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I picked up Seiko 7002-7039, the reference numbers, and I have mm-hmm. two of those, the Pepsi bezel and the all black bezel. And that's what I fell in love with um, the mechanical side of watches just for the engineering and, you know, that clean, sweet, smooth hand second hand and yeah that's where my mechanical love grew even deeper because of those two Seikos and then you know Mega happened and then it's just there's something magical when you see and understand the the engineering side of an automatic movement Definitely. I mean, it's it's such a wonderful little mechanical marvel when you think about all those hundreds of tiny pieces that are working together to make something work that way and the amount of micro machining and engineering that goes into something like that. And then you think about the fact that like we figured out this technology like 200 years ago. So it's like yep. you try to imagine people putting something together like that in like the 1800s and it's wild that they've been able to kind of achieve and accomplish that right it's it's really something to uh, something special that that you know, or even the trench watches, the World War One, you know, they're mm-hmm. manual bound and they're like, man, like, you know, it's trench warfare, it's horrible style of fighting, but yet they had a manual lined watch that they mm-hmm. used to time everything. And you bring that technology forward to, you know, this year and look at the Omega uh, Chrono Chime. Mm-hmm. It is an insane movement and this, the amount of engineering development and how people put that movement together where I think it has like 13 pending patents or something like that it's insane. But it's so beautiful because like it's it's artwork. That's really what it is. It becomes art, right? And it's seeing how seeing what direction they can sort of take things and how far they can kind of push that envelope. And that's one of the things that I will say Omega has been doing uh, well is they definitely have been developing a lot of technology and kind of pushing the envelope with what you can achieve with an automatic watch or a manual watch or whatever, just, just with, with watch movements in general that are not battery powered. So I think that they're doing some some pretty cool stuff. You know, with regards to kind of your story that you were sharing, like it sounds like Seiko is sort of what created this transition for you from using timepieces exclusively sort of as uh, to a tool watch or in like a professional capacity within the special forces into just collecting more as an as an enthusiast can you kind of talk about kind of what happened from there next like everyone once once the seiko ball gets rolling then we know that's when things really really start to get quite interesting with people's collections over time so let's talk about that a little bit yeah so as i've gone through certain assignments in my army career right i i knew i needed different tool watches or i needed that digital Sunto. I was never a fan of the Garmin watches, but Sunto is where it was at for me. You know, as I'm coming to the end of my Army career after 20 years, you know, I don't need a mill-style watch. I don't mm-hmm. need, um, you know, a watch to be all blacked out, even though I love DLC watches. Um, I now need a true office professional 
style looking watch. Um, the Seiko Pepsi red and blue bezel I have fit that bill. And then I found the Omega Seamaster, my first Omega I had. Sadly, I sold it and I completely regret that. Um, but I loved it because it was, it was something that meant a lot to me and it met that criteria I had for being a professional office style watch that I could still use in the field. Mm -hmm. I could still take to the range and I could still wear it. But if I needed to be in a briefing or a meeting, you know, I could change, put the bracelet on and be like, Oh wow, that's, he has a nice watch on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that. And there's something really crazy when you put on like, you know, your Breitling, your Panerai, like it gives you that confidence to be like, man, like I'm walking in a room with people who are much more higher than I am in mm -hmm. the military world, law, enforce law enforcement world. And yet you can have that bond just through a watch. Mm -hmm. Like your, your chief or, you know, our brigade commander or regimental commander, I may be like, wow, what kind of watch is that? And then you can immediately like, have a connection on a human level just through horology, just through an Omega or Rolex or Breitling tag, Seiko, you know, it's, it's crazy how that work, all works out. Um, and now I, my focus is really narrowing down, like you talked about earlier, consolidating it. My, my requirements for what I want in a watch is really like I started out like this and now i'm like down to here um so i i know what specifically i want and i think that's just falling in love with different style watches their needs their requirements um even the movement um you know what does that sort of look like of, for you because like I, I you mentioned that as well too like i know like for me specifically it took a long time to kind of get to a point to realize what it is that i like in a watch and what i want in a watch and even for me now still like i always think i'm sort of at that point where i'm like i got it figured out and then the next thing i know i'm putting one of my you know stable pieces up for up for sale or for trade or something to get something new that's what happened with the brightling right it was like i you know I, for those that don't know i moved the panerai along to get the to get the Breitling, which some everyone I've told is like, are you crazy? Like you love that thing yep, and you gonna, want you wanted it for so long. Get that. Yeah, but it's like, you know what? Like I just I like it for what it is. I, you know, I'm I got another Breitling on the way too. There might be a third one when I might move that one around. Like Breitling's becoming a favorite to me. Like I think like for a long time, like, you know, I just Breitlings, when you start to look into like the history of them, for example, and the reason I'm kind of going on this side side tangent, side tangent is I just sort of started to realize a lot about what I like in in a watch, right? And I like the watches that are just like the wear anything, do anything, they look good, beat up, and they're trusted by people who live that kind of lifestyle, right? Like one of the things that has brought me so much joy in the last little bit is like seeing now all these like Tudor Pelago special editions popping up, right? Not they're not special editions, but like the like like all these unique units and different police units and special forces units around the world, they're all getting issued their own special version of the Pelagos lately. It seems like if you don't, you don't know, go over and check out like watches at espionage yep. and you'll see three or four different versions of it on his page. Mm -hmm. Right. And that sort of brings me a lot of reassurance that like, um, 
this is a watch that's made that people are recognizing is something that is special and that people are really enjoying and they want to get, and they want to be a part of that sort of community. Right. So, and I've had the Pelagos for like half a decade now, and I absolutely love that thing. And mine's just beat the crap. And I, and I love that. And I think Breitling, for example, sort of embodies a lot of that um, as well too, but as a brand, not just as one piece. And that's sort of the direction I've gone where, I know I want to watch that I can take anything, do anything. It's not like they're recognizable, but no one cares, right? That's what I like about them too, is it's like, it's not the same as like a Rolex or something like that, or even a Panerai where it's kind of in your face. It's like, oh, he's got a Breitling. That's nice. No one's going to chop my arm off for a Breitling, right? Hopefully. I guess it depends really where I am, but that's sort of, Yeah, you know. definitely. I mean, you go back to Rolex, right? And I love the history and lineage Rolex brings. I'm mm -hmm. personally, I've never had one. I've, I've put one on the wrist once. Um, I appreciate Rolex, right? There, mm -hmm. the Submariner is, it's awesome. It's a beautiful watch. Mm -hmm. um, and if you get the no date one, that's a little bit better. That's way better actually. Um, but people see that Cyclops on, you know, the sub GMT Master 2, the Explorer 2, and it's just like, oh, that's a Rolex. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yeah, you're right. It is Rolex. And then the Panerai, you know, you got the... Um, the crown guard on there. The, the crown guard, that's very distinguishable. But and even Omega has, a, you know, the the wave dial that everyone mm. will be able to see. And it's, it's the indices that's very distinguishable. Now it's like, okay, I I have the Omega. I love it. Um, you know, I, I'm wanting an IWC aqua timer. Mm. Good piece. Just because... Um, I think it goes back to being able to have a watch, wear a watch that can be beat up. It can do anything, go anywhere and serve you well. Um, and then especially looking at the independent brands that are mm -hmm. out there, they're amazing. And then what Michael Pearson with Zodiac is doing with bringing Zodiac back and, you know, making that, where it used to be, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there are so many independent brands out there that are doing phenomenal things. Mm -hmm. And that's where my shift has kind of become. I love the switch watch industry, but now it's like, okay, like I know this independent independent brand that uses Kennedy movements, which is Tudor's movement arm. You know, they're doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. They're not it's family owned or it's best friends that started a watch company out in los angeles california using you know durable quality seiko movements because mm. those those movements are tame but well, yet what they're doing has is a beautiful watch and just because it's a seiko movement doesn't make it bad at all it just means it's like they chose a quality durable movement where servicing is very easy part mm -hmm are very easy to find but yet they're doing rad things with the watches and i appreciate that and that's where my focus and kind of my interest is switching towards well i think it's an interesting point because you're trying to like one of the things that sort of gets lost sometimes in translation with this hobby is it's meant to be fun right and like there's so much to explore out there and i mean if, if everyone only collects the same two or three brands then you're sort of robbing yourself of a lot of experience, right? And that was one of the things that I sort of realized as well too, was like, 
you talk about IWC, for example, I just picked up my aqua timer and I got to say like IWC, like I've always known about them and their pilot watches and they've always sort of been on the radar, but I never really went to check one out. And I got to say like the quality is phenomenal. Um, and it's crazy the prices that some of them are going for that are less desirable yep. per se, but like you're robbing yourself of such a good watch at some really good prices um, that easily I think is up there, you know, competing with like Omega Rolex Tudor quality wise. And they're just, you're not checking them out because maybe they're not, you know, the hot thing in the community right now or Breitling, for example, again, too, like I got to say the tolerances and the build quality on the Breitlings that I've handled now, they exceeded my expectations like crazy. And some of them you can still, like, you can still get like really nice two or uh, Breitling watches for sometimes under $2,000, like less than an Oris, yep. you can get a really nice Breitling dive watch or an aerospace or something like that. So there's yep. so much. There's so much out there and they're still, those are still major brands, right? But they're sort of like, they're not, they're sort of like the secondary brands, you know, after everyone goes through the first tier of brands that they're really interested in. And then you start getting into independence and it's like, now you have pieces that are using, um, you know, tried and true movements and technologies and, and techniques. So you get the quality, but then you also get a cool story of supporting someone that's sort of on like the ground level, uh, coming, you know, bringing themselves up, elevating their brand, doing something new and different, or even an established independent. And you just, you get that ability to like communicate directly with the brand or the owner or people at yep. the brand, which is something that like, you're not going to get that with a lot of other brands. I mean, I get that sometimes depending on the brand because of having the show and stuff like that. I can talk to a representative from a company that will liaise with me, but I'm not talking to the owner of, you know, no, whatever. Right. I think that really goes back to saying something about uh, worn and wound and wind up watch fair and mm -hmm. time watch, you know, they're creating a trade show or show where anyone can come talk to those people who design the watch you know mm -hmm. maybe there's the ceo maybe there's a chief marketing officer you know this is they can tell you the story they can tell you the why behind the watch and yet like i'm not special enough to go to watches and wonders even though i'd absolutely love to but you know that's geneva switzerland that's rolex that's the the, the big players in the space but i want to talk to the family-owned independent-owned where i can talk to the person directly and get excited talking to them where they're excited to talk to me back and mm -hmm. not being like, Oh, here's the new, um, let's say Rolex, for example, I'll use them. Um, here's the new TI yacht master. Um, don't worry. You, you, you'll be able to get on a wait list for it. Right. Like Rolex is very high in demand watch and I understand why, but when you can face to face and have that connection right away with the owner, the designer, you know, the brand marketer, like that means a lot to me yeah. for me personally. Um, now being able to talk to, you know, the key players at Tudor, Rolex, IWC, you know, Cartier, you know, that would be amazing experience for sure. But it would mean more to me to talk to, you know, the people who attend wind up, well, and especially when you start to get into things like having your own sort of brand that you're working with as well, too. So like with you, for example, working with the Anti-Watch Watch Club, which we'll get into in a second, it's awesome to be able to communicate with these other brand owners, um, CEOs, brand directors that can sort of have some decision making power. And also that you're able to be 
more fluid um, and nimble in that decision making as well too. For example, if you want to do like a collaborative piece, right? Or if you want to discuss doing something together, it's like, hey, I can talk to the guy that can actually make this decision and then we can make it happen in a reasonable time frame as well too. Like you're not gonna, yep, you know, exactly. they're not, you know, when you're, when you're talking about major brands, like they're not even, unless you're got multi-million dollar, you know, whatever going on or you're a world renowned known name, they're not interested in doing that kind of work with you, right? So there's something to be said for that too. And I think that that creates a lot of cool opportunities for the community to be able to, you know, maybe they're following, you know, the anti-watch watch club and then they're following notice or something, for example. And then it's like, hey, we can make a cool, this cool collab piece there or something that um, the community gets to benefit from, right? That's just an example, but it's no, like, you absolutely. know. absolutely. And I think going back to what you're saying, it's, you know, being a part of anti-watch watch club has man like it's amazing the amount of connections and conversations you can have with you know even the big like having conversations with the uh people who market for iwc is mm -hmm. amazing um and that was i've been able to be very fortunate to do that or talk to the u.s president for norcane you know that's that's also amazing being part of AWWC has allowed me to do that where it's like, okay, we could do this or, you know, Christopher Ward, for example, or Zodiac, you know, people are, people are more willing to talk to me since I've been a part of AWWC and I've been very fortunate and grateful for that. But um, yeah, I don't think I'd have the ability to go to <laughs> Any of the players at Rolex be like, hey, you know, I'm Cody, you know, from Anti Watch Watch Club. Um, they're like, huh? But IWC, Norcane, you know, Notice, Christopher Ward, you know, mm -hmm. even Vertex, you know, Vertex, beautiful watches. Um, love the Dirty Dozen. Um, but it goes back to that human connection, that human interaction piece that can be had with, um, you know, people who are not. Oh, how should I say this? this um, people who know their value and the people and their clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. The more community kind of centered brands, right? So yep. I think that that's, and I think that's kind of the the, the, the real thing with what Anti-Watch Watch Club is about. And then also what a lot of these brands that we're discussing are about. So let's kind of go into the AWWC a little bit then. Let's kind of start on this, like, what is the AWWC? How did it come to be? who are the kind of the key players and what sort of is like the mission statement as it were of the anti-watch watch club? Oh man. Anti-watch watch club. Um, well, we, we all came together from the singing instruments community on the, on Facebook. Okay. Um, yep. It was the singing owners group page for, you know, singing instruments. And we all, you know, were posting regular pics, daily pictures of us and our singings, you know, morning, early morning coffee, you know, or the loom shots or us at the ranges wearing um, singings. And then we all kind of like filtered through, you know, the, the funnel per se, to all be able to like start chatting through in Facebook Messenger, um, watch it. And then it turned out to be, you know, there's a lot of organizations and a lot of talk that goes on on across social media channels and be like, hey, you know, I've got a veteran buddy or active duty buddy, military, law enforcement, first responder, whatever, um, maybe has 
house fire or he's in a hard place because he's doing a PCS move or switching from one department to another and needs, you know, any type of help, financial or resources. And that kind of filtered into the conversation of us. And we were like, wow, like, what if we started a nonprofit organization that was, you know, veteran, military, law enforcement, first responder um, organization that wanted to give back, uh, whether it's, you know, through social services, humanitarian aid, you know, whatever, like we wanted to put our foot in the door and mm -hmm. show people that we want to take care of our brothers and sisters because sadly they, they kind of get taken off the wayside as soon as you take off that uniform or take the badge off. Um, so then we, there's nine of us who found, who are founders. Um, there's five of us who kind of run the day-to-day -day operations of anti-watch watch club, but the other four, you know, they're, they're still highly invested. They, they, they're still part of anti-watch watch club. Um, and those are the founder founding nine. Uh, and we all found our, each other through singing instruments. And then each one of us has our own unique love and passion for watches. Um, we have Alex, who is our CEO of anti-watch watch club. He's kind of the one that spearheaded and picked us all out of the mass of singing instruments and you know hey would you like to come on board and then we have tony who is our chief financial officer he's the one that tells alex yes we can do this or yes we can we have this ability to give to this donation but we can only do this amount because alex is very uh very passionate person um we have zach um he is up in connecticut uh he's our chief operating officer he's the one that kind of runs day-to-day -day operations. Um, myself, I am the chief business development officer, so I get to be the one to reach out and try and do future collaborations, future projects, future, you know, charities to be able to work with, um, kind of setting up the, the brands we want to work with and letting them know who we are and what we're about. And then we have Joey, he's the one that, he's our chief logistics officer and he's the one that handles all the customer service, fulfillment, you know, returns, exchanges, the work. Um, so those are uh, the five of us that run it and who we are. Hmm. Um, so where did the name Andrew Watch Watch Club come from? Uh, so I'm sure people will either love us or hate us for this, but um, the name came from a variety of reasons. Um, we wanted to have people realize that watches are tools. Mm -hmm. They've always been a tool uh, to tell time. We have those, we have, and I'm sure you've met and dealt with them in your time, um, where they have those safe, clean watches. Mm. Maybe it's an investment piece. Maybe it's that Rolex or Mariner two-tone that only comes out for, you know, business deals or closure, closing on a business. Well, you're missing out on a huge portion of creating so many memories with that watch on. For example, um, the birth of a son or daughter, 
right? You're always going to remember the time that he or she was born mm -hmm. and you're always going to have a watch that can tell that time or that you wore the day he or she was born on. And that's a significant event in one's life where you're going to be able to associate the watch with the event. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if one is so focused on keeping, you know, the Rolex Omega, Breitling tag, you know, G-Shock, whatever watch it is, safe, pristine, you know, that it's losing out and you're losing out because you're not creating memories with it. And, you know, Yes, a, tool, a watch is an antiquated piece because, you know, we got smartphones, smartwatches, but create a memory with the watch you have and don't be afraid to wear it and be proud of it. Um, that's where, that's one of the many reasons why. Um, and we wanted people to be like, well, you can wear that nice Omega Rolex, say any brand name, without the bracelet on. You can throw it on a one-piece NATO, a leather strap, you know, a quick-release strap. Just have fun with the watch and have fun creating or recollecting on the memories you create with the watch. So, like, if your fancy, nice, new Omega Seamaster takes a desk dive and it gets a, you know, a ding on the case, like, man, that sucks. Well, you're always going to remember that feeling because now that feeling is connected to the watch. You're like, yeah. So it's sort of okay. just, so it's sort of no meant word. to like foster that sense of community in um, like not taking it so seriously, like use your watches, yep. you know, bang them up, you know, post the picture of your, your scratched up AR on your crystal or your dinged up bezel or exactly. whatever. And like, do we it, only do, have, do it with pride. Right. And sort of like share that story with, the community because that is that sort of like the community that has been built around the brand now is essentially just um like you have other guys who are just all sort of just having fun talking about the pieces they have and, and how they actually use them and the cool stories behind some of the you know unique scars mars and bings that the pieces might have for example no oh, absolutely it's we have one life in this world mm -hmm. um and we have to make the most of it every single day so when we are able to create a tribe, a community where anyone, doesn't matter, you don't have to be a military dude, gal, you don't have to be a police officer, first responder. You know, we have a plethora of different professions who are part of our community who share the stories and share pictures of what watch they're wearing that day. And, you know, it could be in the back of an EMT with a patient on the litter you know and it's using an, a Tudor Pelagos or Omega or Chrono just for timing purposes right because timing is everything mm -hmm. timing is everything um, and then we have people who you know who are lawyers and they're working you know they got stacks of paper and cases piled up on their desk and they're just looking at a watch be like man like okay right time to go home mm -hmm. and, they're swamped with work, but it's creating that that connection to be shared across our community and our tribe that, yep, doesn't matter what you do, we have this love for watches and we have a passion for watches. I don't mind sharing, you know, the scratch that I just got or I accidentally dropped my watch on the floor and ceramic broke and I'm taking a picture and be like, man, this sucks. But, you know, 
we wanted to create a tribe and a community where that could be shared across the board and not get shamed for wearing, you know, a really nice watch, shooting guns, making arrests at the fire scene or in the hospital, you know, dealing with, you know, bodily fluids from patients, you know, we want people to share that story and share that feeling with us and to the world. So, mm. you know, we've got a heavy following on Instagram and Facebook and we don't care. We don't care if it's a G-Shock or a Timex Ironman. We just want you to use your watch. Yeah. So how have you found, like, from in your perspective, I guess, on the inside of the organization, how have you found the reception? How has the reception been from the community for, I guess, uh, your brand of a watch enthusiast club? Like, it's sort of, like to me, it sounds like this was sort of something that was lacking. It was a bit of a vacuum in the community to sort of have a space for guys to come together, gals come together, and sort of have this, like, tongue-in-cheek view of watch collecting where they get to just enjoy them for what they are, you know, and how has you how have you found the community's response and reception been to the anti watch watch club uh we definitely get a lot of questions on on our name like anti watch watch club well so are you anti watch watch club like what are you specifically a prime example is that you know you can go on facebook and join the omega seamasters uh owners group where yeah. everyone every seamaster is on a bracelet or the omega uh, rubber strap that you can get with it and yet we've had people take pictures of them wearing uh, a scratched up Seamaster or, you know, pictures of them doing something or working out. Like I've even worked out on my Seamaster. It doesn't matter. Or, and they'll take a picture and they're at the gym with a big pile of sweat and wet weights and they're wearing, you know, the no time to die Seamaster. And the reaction that they were getting on that page is horrific. Like, why are you shaming someone for wearing a watch it's just a watch and they're doing an event that you don't agree with while wearing that watch or taking the bracelet off putting a one-piece rubber nail strap on it like the, it's just a bracelet watch that's that's it it's, there's nothing special about it so when we created a tribe and community, we have been able to get so many other people from, you know, the, the Omega groups, the Rolex groups, the Tudor groups on Facebook to come and share stories, share memories that they created with their watches. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you only wear a bracelet or if you wear you know, chain straps every day. It, we just want people to come together and share their love and stories and passion for their watches that they have and maybe try and help people understand, you know, if they're looking for their first grail watch, like, okay, I have this budget. I've got, I've had Seiko's, I've loved the movements, but I want something more. Okay. Well, let us tell us what you want. We will absolutely scour the internet, eBay, you know, Chrono 24, Bezel to help you find what you want. And we've been able to, share a lot of listings and help people who knew they wanted a really nice watch, you know, step above Seiko, uh, for example, they just didn't know how to go about or what they really wanted. If it was a Salida movement, if it was an Etta movement, you know, Kinesi movement, you know, do they want a Vermont? Do they want this? So when you're able to help those people really find, and then when they get it, they share it. 
and they're so happy and we're happy for them because, you know, we're hugely congratulating them because investing in a, you know, 3000 20, even $2,500 watch mm-hmm. is a, that's a lot of money, you know, thousand yeah. dollar watch. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get it and you put it on the wrist, it's that man, like it's that feeling of happiness. Like I have achieved a level in my life where I can afford this. Mm-hmm. Let's share it. Let's, let's congratulate those people because they may not ever have another super Swiss fancy watch. That just might be the only daily one they wear. And that's okay. Wear it. But tell the story. Tell the story of you wearing it proudly every day. Mm-hmm. And the reception we've gotten in the space that we are in, is it's been amazing. It's truly been an honor. And I'm just super grateful that you know, we, we have been able to make an impact where we have been and we are continuously growing and always striving to make a bigger impact. One of the things that you mentioned, because, you know, you've created sort of this, this tribe and this community, and it's also becoming sort of a brand as well too in itself, right? I mean, when you have a community, you also want to kind of create ways that people can, um, engage and interact in that community beyond just sort of having like a group chat or a forum or something like that they can talk in. So one of the unique things that you've been able to kind of take up on as the business development officer is some of the really cool products that the anti-watch watch club produces and has put out for people to purchase and enjoy sort of having a piece of the community as well too. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So first I'll talk about, um, the straps that we've come out with. Mm -hmm. Um, our first strap, it was, we knew it needed to be waterproof. We -hmm. knew it needed to take abuse and stand up to hard use because everything we release, um, is for the end user, right? We want it to be worn on one of your dives or on one of your patrols or on a deployment or respond to a fire EMS call or even to the boardroom, right? We, it's all about the end user for us. Mm-hmm. So we designed and developed and tested um, really with that mindset is, okay, how is this going to benefit the end user? Um, so with our our straps, so we started with the Decon 1, mm-hmm. and it was a really ruggedized rubber strap that we sourced from a UK supplier. So they're still part of that Four Eyes community, not outside, you know, that that spectrum um for sure not overseas china and vietnam it needed to be kind of in that four eye um and it was a hugely successful strap but we didn't want to become stagnant we were never really happy so it was always improving evolving on how can we make this better mm-hmm. um, so we came out with the decon two and the Decon 2 was kind of more reinforced. It had some tweaks and still ruggedized rubber where it was completely waterproof. to be easily washed um, and it could take the abuse of the end users. Um, then now we are, we are developing our Decon 3. However, we are shifting from our a UK supplier to a US-based supplier. And then it's going to be continuous Okay, we look at the Decon 2, which is a phenomenal rubber NATO strap, mm-hmm. but now we're going to make it better. 
Um, and the supplier we are working with is is going to be able to meet our requirements and our our specifications and our QAQC measures that we put in place on them. Um, so that's the straps. We also have a kind of a, a TAC-1 strap that's pretty remarkable. I think the buckle alone is able to hold, you know, like 250, 300 pounds before the spring breaks in it. The straps mm -hmm. able to pick up, you know, 175 or so pounds, I think. I may be off plus or minus, but, you know, that's kind of like the, the testing requirements we have for our strap because once again, for the end user and we can't afford uh, things falling or ripping, um, breaking on them if they're put to hard to use. We want it to really survive what you can put it through. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking if through- it breaks or if it, Sorry, go ahead. And if it breaks or rips, you know, tell us why. Tell us where it failed so we can improve it for you the next go around. So mm -hmm. it's we're always learning and growing and uh, all of us have that growth mindset to where we're never happy. We need to strive to be better and better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wonderful that you're our, doing that, you know, like there's really so much of that development into like creating, like you're, you're creating products that aren't just generic products, right? Like you're not just making a strap that you found like a, you know, a 99 cent to strap supplier, and then you're just reselling them or putting your logo on. You're actually, like you said at the beginning, you're making something for the end user that you have a certain audience in mind and a certain usage in mind that's very much in line with sort of the mission statement of the brand since day one, which I think is something that's really unique as well too. Because there's, like you do have the element of like patches and challenge coins and t-shirts and hoodies and like kind of um, the stuff that's just there to have a logo on it and be cool and enjoy it. But then you have this, you're actually developing real products for people to use as well too, which I think is a very interesting sort of bit of um, duality in the catalog as it were. Yeah. And it, it, going back to the coins, right. If you're in the military or you're in, around military law enforcement, mm -hmm. first responder world, like, you know what a challenge coin is. Mm -hmm. So that was one of our big key things is like, Hey, like we all um, out of the five of us who run AWWC daily, there's only two who have never been in the military or police officer, law enforcement, first responder, mm -hmm. but they've had family who was, and they knew challenge coins. So we are like, we have to do challenge coins. Mm -hmm. We have to do a poker style chip challenge coin, um, which uh, let's see. looks like that. Mm -hmm. That's our poker style chip. And then we have the plank owners, um, and I can talk about plank owners here shortly. And then the founders coin, which are, you know, they're super nice, super, they're worth it. Um, as you see on the website now, if you're looking at it, you can, we have glow in the dark challenge coin. Um, and that's just because it's that significance going back to the military on what coins meant and mm -hmm. are mean, meant to be. So it's that sharing that, Hey, like I can maybe be the airport bar. And I can see another one or person, female, male, doesn't matter, who also has a watch on. And then I can have the potential to pull out a, a AWWC coin and be like, wow, here's mine. And now it's that shared connection, like, wow, two AWWC members meeting in an airport bar out of the blue. 
having a drink cocktail talking before they board their flight to go wherever mm-hmm. um, and it's that it's that feeling that that coin brings to the table for our our community yeah well it sort of brings in some of that uh military law enforcement tradition into the club where you don't necessarily have to be from one of those backgrounds to be able to enjoy some of the fun that goes with some of these traditions right Correct. so absolutely now, you don't which I think it's super cool yeah we it doesn't matter you, you could have never served in the military or police but you will understand and appreciate like you just said you'll you'll know the challenge coin and why god gets so amped up over challenge coins you know especially on the military side mm-hmm. um and it's something that they can always take with them on their trips business trips family trips maybe you're going camping or backpacking yourself you know it's a little coin that can mean something or pull you out of a dark spot just by looking at it be like man like i was a part of this i'm associated with this i can do this Mm-hmm. Well, they still pull a lot. Like it's really interesting when you look into sort of a lot of like the iconography, imagery, and symbolism in a lot of what you develop as well, too. Like there's definitely you can see there's that military law enforcement uh, iconography that kind of works its way into a lot of the patches, a lot of the coins, and things like yep. that. But it still makes it something enjoyable for the everyday end user to be able to. You know, one of the ones I was looking at was super cool. Uh, was like the um, like that Ace of Spades uh the rectangular one that you made as well too with the glow in the dark yeah i think that's a that's a really cool piece man that's that's a i'm a bummer yeah, that, on that that's an awesome looking coin. yeah that's been a that's been a hot commodity and we'll probably be releasing more of those because um we've been able to create a product that people want mm-hmm. and the fact that it goes in the dark is pretty rad i think um but yeah it's it's just creating products for the end user especially our watch straps and products that people can have a shared connection with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much there's so much to look forward to, I think, coming out. And I mean, there's I'm just as I'm perusing the catalog right now, I can see two or three things that I would be very interested in picking up as well, too. I gotta get one of those decon straps. I think those are really, really neat the way you kind of put those together. Also your mats as well, too. I noticed your tack mat that you had set up. I think that's a really cool sort of little watch nerd thing to have as well too whether you're working on knives guns watches or just want something to even use on your desk or something like that that's a really really neat piece to just yeah it, it, and it, put out. it has a, it goes back to that having that tool capability right i can mm-hmm. i can take apart a firearm clean it properly right and or sharpen a knife or work on a watch changing you know straps out so i gotta take the spring bars out now and it's it goes back to that utilitarian design capability that we want that hey it's cool got our logo on it woodland black you know and it just goes back to it being with you able to use right then and there Mm. it's very interesting uh, yeah that we have a lot of amazing collaborations coming out um this year um if you want me to we can talk about them um if not i'll just leave it at that is that we've got some amazing uh collaborations with watch companies coming out this year i i mean i think uh you know people will be interested to hear about it It certainly could build a little bit of hype up as well too so why don't we dive into some of those cool collabs you have coming up i think that sounds really interesting uh okay so um 
luckily being the business development officer, um, you know, I can reach out to see A, if people are interested, B, if the answer is yes, I get to work in part of the project management program development for the piece. So we, um, our first watch is, is going to be, I think, uh, I don't know what order we're releasing them in, but um, if you've ever heard of Sterling timepieces, mm -hmm. um, they are a UK company. They are very much like um, singing instruments where the owner is an active duty British soldier. Um, so it's that brotherhood that's instantly bonded and they create and make watches to withstand what the British military uses them for. Kind of just like singing instruments, G-Shock, for us in the U.S., it's that I want to make a tool watch that can stand and take the abuse of what British soldiers, Marines do because I'm one of them and I'm right there with them. Mm -hmm. So we are creating a, we are coming out with a collaboration watch. It'll have a Salida movement in it. Um, so a very well-known movement um, that's coming out. We have a collaboration coming out with uh, Notice. Uh, we are doing that. And it's going to be really rad because the way we are releasing it is going to very much coincide with uh, U.S. and uh, U.S. military veteran day. Um, I think people are going to be really, really excited for that one because uh, the model we chose uh, to do the collaboration with. Um, not going to say it because I want you to you know, I want you to wait until we get um, prototypes in hand and we, us and notice, start uh, kind of teasing release images. Uh, and we are in the early stages uh, of development with um, a special collaboration watch with Thing and Instrument. Um, that's very early stages, um, but we're we're kind of already planning for that to be a go ahead because uh, we are very we have a lot of deep roots for singing instruments in Jacob. So those are the three we have coming out uh, this year. We are also going to be kind of shifting our focus where we we want AWWC to be like a one stop horological um, shop. So yeah. we're looking at coming out with spring bar tools, you know, just tools that have our logo, our, our take on a tool that people can use to work on their watches. And then, of course, with the donation charitable side of the house, right, we are really, really working hard at um, kind of shifting where we started from to kind of the direction we now want to go into. Yeah. It sounds like there's definitely a lot of, uh, sort of, there's a lot of things kind of going on right now and you sound like you're a very busy guy. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, yeah, lots you got to stay on top it, of. Right. Cause, uh, sadly enough, if you live in the U S if you order something from the U S um, the postal service is going through its own ordeal right now. So mm. we've had a lot of problems that we are been spent many nights pulling hair 
and trying to figure out what's the solution be to having our orders delivered or lost, or if they're not scanned in, but we drop them off at, the, at a post office location, we are continuously battling that. So um, I think we found our solution to that. Just guys, gals, if you've ordered something for us, please know we are doing everything we can to get your package to you. Um, we just happening to be battling the uh, United States Postal Service at the moment. Um, now, as far as moving forward with our our big charities that we are going to be working with, uh, our next one that we're going to be working with is All In All the Time Foundation, and they are a foundation that provides immediate support to Naval Special Warfare families. Um, we're working with some two really rad um, people, companies, for that uh, special collaboration piece where uh, a huge, huge portion of the proceeds will be donated to all in all the time. Um, that's going to be coming out soon. Um, and you'll, when you see it, you'll know it and you'll get why we chose all in all the time. Hmm. And so how, what other sort of uh, charitable organizations have, have you been able to work with through the AWWC? Like, I, I know that that charity is something we've, you've mentioned a couple of times where that's obviously a very important uh, part of sort of the foundation of the organization, like, do you have, I know you, you just talked about this, this all in one that you want to start exploring with, but what are some of the previous partners that you've been exploring with already? And are those relationships that are there for a reason? Or are you sort of just willing to work with, you know, any credible veteran organization that you think can be of, of help to people? Uh, so going back to your second question, um, when it comes to these organizations that uh, take care of veterans, whether it's military, law enforcement, or first responder, um, we first vet them. So if they don't meet our requirements for what they do and how they take care of what they claim to take care of, we won't work with them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not against them as a company or as an organization. It's just that they're not our fit. So we first have to validate and you know, ensure they're credible and meet what we want them to do with the money we're going to be giving them and how it's going to help veterans. Uh, so a big one we did is we did uh, community, veterans community renewal team out in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm. And we did an event at a watch boutique, uh, Rockwell Armstrong Jewelers and Fine Watches. Um, he is a phenomenal guy. He was a former army soldier himself way back then. And now he's been in the watch game for decades and decades. And he's famous for being known to have dinner with, you know, the Patek family, the, the inner workings of Patek. Phenomenal guy. Um, but we had a little gathering at his store where we were able to donate you know, $3,000 to the community renewal team. And what that allowed us and the community renewal team was to house uh, female veterans, you know, for three months. 
That was, so that was one less thing that they were able to not worry about because mm -hmm. rent was taken care of. Um, three families, three months taken care of by us. And that meant a lot because uh, the female veteran really gets forgotten about. Um, they really do, sadly. I, I'm not sure why, maybe because they are females, but we wanted to make it known that we are going to help our sisters out as well. And we've been able to uh, sponsor kids who are part of the Gold Star family. Uh, so their father was lost, whether combat, training accident, whatever have you, be, be their, their Gold Star family. So we've been able to sponsor kids to go out and get outside and work with an organization that gets kids together who've lost their fathers outside, out in the outdoors, to give them experiences that they will always remember. Yeah, that's some and we have, incredible work you're definitely being able to do right there. There's a couple other uh, ones you wanted to mention as well, too. Oh, for sure. We've, we've been very fortunate to work with Dane's Handmade Leather Strap. Um, phenomenal leather strap. It's really amazing. He is a former uh, Marine EOD tech himself, so he knows. He's had a lot of time crafting his leather straps. And we've been able to do uh, three watch straps with him this far. And all the proceeds that we can donate because we have to sadly keep operational costs to us so we can keep the lights on because none of us take a paycheck from AWWC. This is all on our off time hours. So when we get home from work, because we all have day jobs and family time, we all have to get back on the computer, start working for AWWC. So a lot of family time is wasted, but um, we've been able to donate a large portion of proceeds through Zane's, through his charitable organization that he chose that works with the Marine Special Operations and uh, Navy Corpsmen that assist Marine Raiders. So it's, we've been really making a difference and we want to make a bigger impact well, it's, moving it's, forward in the future. It's great to hear about just, you know, it seems like the AWWC, like it, it really has something for everybody in it and it's doing so much. Like you, you have, you know, you're creating a space for, it's a community to go and enjoy. You're helping veterans, law enforcement, first responders, you're creating uh, good products that people can enjoy. And then there's further development of, you know, these partnerships with other brands and further development of the organization to kind of become like this one-stop shop, like you've discussed, like it really, there's so much going on with the brand right now. And it's fantastic to see, and it's exciting to see the direction it goes, but I really just want to take a moment, you know, kind of like we just did to acknowledge all the amazing work that has been done already. And as you mentioned, none of you are, are getting paid to do this. This is just you all coming together and doing this together in your spare time. because This is something that you're passionate about. And is that really like, in your opinion, what drives sort of AWWC forward is just the passion of everybody involved. Is there sort of like, what is the, is there sort of like an end goal or an, an end vision for what you would like to see this ideally become two, three, five years uh, from now? Yeah, it's the passion is what keeps us going because we, as I mentioned before, 
when you sacrifice time away from your family, you get home, eat dinner, and then like, okay, I've got emails to check, or I've got messages to respond to about AWWC work. It's that passion and that that strength that allows us five and the nine or the four others to continue working and making it better and making mm -hmm. it greater. Um, we're now going to start, we're, we're always going to provide some type of proceeds to charitable organizations that take, but we want to now take it a step further to where, for one example, um, let's say there is a, a course you want to go to, to better yourself, maybe as a shooter, as, you know, a health and fitness or a holistic health course. So that you can take what you learn in that course and bring it back to your department, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let's say you're told no because funding. You cannot you cannot attend this course and bring back knowledge to transfer to our fellow officers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you reach out to us, AWWC. You give us the five W's to so the who, what, when, where, why, right? And then we can be like, okay, we will absolutely assist you and we'll sponsor you to go take this course because we feel you need it. Hmm. We feel you need it to be better. We feel you need it to be safer. And it's that knowledge transfer that you get to create between yourself and your fellow officers. Hmm. So that's, that's one channel, one arm that we're also going to, you know, shift going into the future. And of course we want to, we want to also aid families and PCS moves. So anyone in the military knows PCS move is when you go from one location, the Army, Marine, Navy, Coast Guard, Air Force tells you, okay, you're now going to go all the way across the country um, and start your life over again. And a lot of people do encounter emergencies during that move, during that transition phase. So we want our tribe or maybe a friend of a friend who's in our tribe, reach out and tell them, hey, I've got, I'm part of this community, anti-watch watch club. They've helped me out in this path and this is how they've helped me out. And then now it's that knowledge transfer once again that say, hey, like reach out to them, do what they can do to help you out. Mm -hmm. Give us the five W's and be like, okay, yep, this family, this young soldier, young airman, young Marine, young, you know, whatever the case is, needs help. We're, we're going to be there for them because no one else is. So I'm not saying no one else will be because, you know, the Army has programs. I'm sure the Marine Corps does and Navy and Air Force. But outside of the government sources, we want to be there for them. So we're also, we're also going to be start making a, creating another arm of AWWC to be like, okay, we got to take care of our family member who are also moving. So with and regards, especially when it comes to just, go ahead. I was just going to pop in. So just regards, just with regards to like AWWC being like a worldwide club, is this service going to be offered worldwide or is this going to be just within the United States? Uh, that is to be determined. I'm not going to say yes or no, but we have, we, we know we have service members living and stationed overseas, whether you know, Germany, Italy, you know, embassies worldwide, Japan, Korea, you know, they're they're all over the place. So that is something we will not 
table, but we will also have to start researching and what the what's the consequences if we do it for an overseas person, you know. Um, but it's definitely something that will always be on the horizon. Like, okay, how can we reach our our brothers and sisters serving abroad? Hmm. No, that's wonderful. I think that's really interesting. Um, and it's a really great idea to kind of create this additional resource. Again, like there's really just the the wide breadth of what the AWWC is covering and sort of the directions it's going and the things it's doing are really truly impressive. And I think something that's very important. So it really is something special to hear and see about all the things that it's going to be doing and to be able to see this come and develop over the next couple of years as well too. Yeah, for, I mean, we, we started this, we started this journey August of 2022. Mm-hmm. So we're a year, we're one year, we're not even a year old. Hmm. Uh, we officially became a nonprofit through the IRS. I think we were granted that in October or November. So to make the impact we have had in as little time as we've been operating as a nonprofit, as an organization, is, is really like it's that it's a heart and soul of us because we have the mindset of being like okay when it's work there's work let's get to it let's grow this let's let's do x y and z even if it's out of the blue you know crazy thinking let's let's do it because our backgrounds allow us to have creativity and we're not bound by stakeholders you know our stakeholders is ourselves so we can do anything if we want to go hand out bus passes at you know, a bus stop for a homeless veterans to be able to get to their VA appointments. You know, we can do that. Or if we want to give them a food pack, we can do that. We're not bound by, let me rephrase, We're, we want to be a corporate style firm organization without the bounds by stakeholders, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to like that independent micro brand sort of thing too, where you get the you're able to be nimble and make decision making quickly and act on things quickly because it's in the direction you want to go or something that interests you yep. without having to run it run it up and down a chain, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, we're also going to be you know looking at fellowship programs and sponsoring. Let's say we have a veteran uh, who's a even as part of AWWC already. And let's say they they're getting out of the military and they want to, you know, they're they're asking themselves, man, what do I want to do when I grow up? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's say they want to become a watchmaker. Okay, well let's let's look at how we can help you as an organization sponsor you to perhaps attend the veterans watchmaker initiative, you know, mm-hmm. up in Delaware, I believe it is. Maybe they want to learn how to make watches and work for, you know, Boulder Watch Company, Raven Watches. Notice this company or that company. Well, let's well let's sponsor you and help you with tuition while you attend that that program. Right? Let's do this for you because we we're here to help. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So you know, I mean you've covered so much in the last, you know, 90 minutes here. And I think we've, we've gone down 
some really interesting uh, courses of discussion and, and you've really given a great kind of insight into AWWC, all the things that it's doing uh, into yourself and kind of what motivated you and brought you to this point. You know, you've obviously lived a very colorful existence, right? You've done some really neat stuff, a lot of stuff that we didn't get into or can't get into for various reasons. But, you know, what is that like through whether it's through AWWC, watch collecting the community or your experience in, in special forces? What is that like one piece of advice that you would pass on to that young person kind of just trying to get out there into the world? It's a, it's a tough world now, right? I mean, we always every generation thinks they sort of have it worse than the last, even though it's, you know, depends on who you ask, I suppose. But what is that one piece of advice as someone who's done so much and seen so much and experienced so much that you pass on to a young person that's entering the world now, that one piece of insight you would share? That's a very hard question because I could I could list a whole laundry list of um, tidbits or pieces of advice I would, what is I the, would give a person. Um, what is the one thing you've told yourself then? doing all the things that you've done and that you've, you've sort of fallen back on in your own mind, the one piece of advice that comes into your own mind, whenever you're experiencing adversity, a challenge or moving into something unknown or new that has helped you accomplish so much and, and push forward through so much in your career and in your lifetime. Um, I can't choose just one. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you two pieces. Perfect. Um, Cause I can't just choose one because I've used both of them. Uh, very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, first is be humble. Mm. You're not always going to be able to be the fastest, the strongest, the best person at this or that. But if you're if you're humble enough, you can really grow personally and professionally when you're humble. Mm-hmm. Um, second piece of advice is to always always find the solution. Um, you may not see it firsthand when you're when you're come across adversity or a problem that you you don't know what to do or you don't know what the outcome is. Well, the solution is there. Do whatever it takes for you to find it because once that solution is solved, it's or that problem is solved, it's it's no longer a problem. You mm-hmm. you solved it, and then you can move on to you know the next thing. Especially when it comes to adversity. Um, you know, I really think that says a lot. And okay, I'll give you one more because there's three. Uh, sure. <laughs> always self-reflect. Mm. Always ask yourself, what could you be- do better tomorrow? What did you do great today? What didn't you do great today? Um, self-reflect. Those would be my three pieces of advice. Well, I think that's each on their own, they're, they're terrific advice, but together it creates, you know, a, a really great little package that I think would help a lot of people, um, you know, getting into the world, getting into life, whether it's into the military, law enforcement, or just out in life in general, you're going to be a better person if you have that ability to sort of focus on those three things. And, and you're going to grow in a lot of ways as well too. overcoming adversity is ultimately one of the important steps of, of growth as a person. Right. So I think, yeah, it, it keeps you grounded because, um sadly in today's age of technology and our quick access to everything in our fingertips um people tend to lose the ability to stay grounded Mm -hmm. well 100 and i mean 
there's a there's a quote that came to mind sort of just right now. Um, I just need to get the exact quote right here. Uh, and it sort of reminds me a lot of what you said. And I just want to bring it up. Thank goodness for Google. Hey, as we talk about technology, as I hop on my uh, technology Internet. right here. Yes, it's, it's from Seneca. So one of the Roman philosophers, no man is more unhappy than he who never faces adversity for he is not permitted to prove himself. And I think that is extremely true. The wisdom, the wisdom of the ancients, they knew a lot of stuff back in those days, I guess. Hey, and I think that that's extremely true, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, what will our future generation say about our generation currently? You know, there, mm. we each throughout history, mankind has been able to share and create moments that will always be remembered. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, it, that will never stop. So I'm just curious what will be said of the generation that is that we are in now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's to be determined. But nonetheless, Cody, it's been fantastic chatting with you. I've enjoyed, um, you know, learning so much and hearing about Anti-Watch Watch Club and, and being able just to kind of, you know, chat with you more on a one-on-one -on -one basis and kind of get to know you better as well, too. Uh, really quickly, what are some of the landing spots people can go to, whether they want to check out more about the Anti-Watch Watch Club, they want to purchase some gear, some swag, they want to support you guys uh, through charity, uh, or if they want to chat with you directly? Uh, yep. So if you want to check out our website, www.antiwatchclub.org, uh, you can check out what we have in our item shop, see what's sold out, see what's available, um, pick up some apparel because they're pretty rad. Um, I wear mine all the time, obviously, because I'm going to promote <laughs> AWWC any way I can. Um, Instagram, we can be found anti watch watch club. You know, we're on Facebook, just type in anti watch watch club. Um, and even if you want to get in touch with myself through AWWC, um, they can email me at cody.fights, F I T E, of course, not like a fist fight, but it's cody.fight at anti watch club.org. Um, so if you have projects or questions or you want to hear more about AWWC, feel free to reach out because, um, we're always open to communication. Awesome. I'll make sure I drop all those links in the description boxes below for the podcast and YouTube there. So anyone interested in uh, learning more, make sure you head down there to uh, check out some of those awesome landing spots. Likewise for myself, if anyone has any questions, comments, feedback, feel free to shoot me an email at ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you want to follow along with the show at its central hub for uh, communication with my audience, head over to Instagram. Just go to at ricoswatchespodcast podcast all one word there feel free to shoot me a dm follow along with posts all that kind of stuff to kind of keep up on the uh, up and up of what's happening with the show if you enjoyed this episode and many of my other episodes in the audio medium but would like to enjoy it in a visual medium feel free to head over to rico's watches podcast on youtube uh make sure you like subscribe leave a comment all that youtube stuff just to uh assist with the algorithm and help it continue to grow uh in that platform as well too Cody, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I, I'm so happy we made the time to do this and to find out more about yourself and the Anti-Watch Watch Club. It's been an absolute treat and I look forward to uh, chatting with you again, hopefully sometime soon to hear more of the cool updates and follow along with the successes of uh, the AWWC and the watch community. Well, Eric, first of all, it's the pleasure is mine because uh, I've listened to your show. We've talked offline for a while now. Um, 
now to finally be in the club that's been on Rico's Watch Podcast, it, it means a lot to me. So I truly thank you for taking your time to schedule me to come on um, to talk anti-watch watch club and who I am, a little bit about who I am, my my watch journey. But uh, truly, I, I thank you. Well, you and uh, AWWC both have a spot on this show anytime you want to come back on to discuss anything. I think it's uh, so great. We can set up a a round robin with uh, some other people at a later date and time. That sounds like an awesome opportunity and something I think I'd be really interested in uh, in looking into further. So with that, I'm going to be signing off from this episode. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. You too, Eric.